0: Welcome back to The Treatment Room, everybody. I am your host, Tessa Zolli. I am grinning from ear to ear because I'm so thrilled to introduce today's guest of the show and finally finally connect in sort of real life even though we are virtual. I have followed her on TikTok for the past year and I watched her like many of you before we finally started messaging and a beautiful friendship was born. She just gives out the best energy and creates some of the most helpful content I have seen social media. You may know of her as the self-care nurse. Welcome to the show, Care Clark. Hi, Tess. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. We are so lucky to have you, Care, because there are definitely limitations to an esthetician's scope of practice when it comes to things like understanding birth control hormones, cortisol and stress, how diet affects the skin. So, whether you are dealing with acne yourself or you are working with clients and maybe trying to understand who could I possibly refer them out to, what other things should they take into consideration. So, we're going to talk about all of these things we are going to pick Kara's brain, so I'm so excited to have her here. And first, I'd like to ask you, Kara, how did this whole passion of skincare and
1: working as a dermatology nurse even come about for you? Definitely. So, I started getting acne at a pretty young age. I think it was fifth or sixth grade. Um, my dad had really bad acne growing up and my mom had beautiful, perfect skin her whole life. So of course, I got my dad's genetics on that. (laughs) So I started getting pretty bad acne pretty young and it became a huge part of my life. But it's also one of those things where a pain can become a passion because even though my acne was such a struggle, it has led me on the path for my life. And I just became obsessed with all things acne. I became obsessed with my acne, what I can do with my own acne and why it was happening. I became obsessed with dermatology. I started going to dermatologists from really young. So I was around so many great skin professionals and dermatology nurses. And I just remember thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to help treat my acne and really just promise myself when I become a dermatology nurse, I'm going to help others do the same. So that's kind of where where I started and where I'm at now. And now I have so much fun because I am on TikTok and Instagram and I just get to talk about acne and self-care and women's health and hormones every day and it's a dream. Going back to fifth and sixth grade care, that's,
0: firstly, like, that's a young age to be dealing with acne, such an impressionable age. But what was your experience like in seeking out a dermatologist? Because it sounds like it was pretty impactful. And I just love hearing these stories because I feel like everyone has a completely different experience.
1: Definitely. Yeah. That's the thing. When you get acne from so young and you start going to dermatologists, it definitely wasn't always a perfect experience. And I've been on every topical, every oral treatment, everything that you could imagine. And because of that, I've definitely gained more of a unique perspective. Um, Not like I'd say it's controversial one, but I actually don't agree and I'm not a big fan of all dermatology treatments out there. So as I've gotten older, as I've honed in on my own expertise as a nurse, I've kind of formed my own philosophy on acne and hormonal acne in general, taking all these amazing Western and medical scientific treatments that are available to us, but also looking at the holistic side of things, which I think is often overlooked especially with dermatology which is unfortunate but acne especially hormonal acne there's a reason why it's starting you know from our hormones and so I try to combine the two taking hormonal acne holistically and looking at the root cause why it's happening from an internal source but combining that with these amazing medical treatments that we can and forming that perfect plan for you and it's going to be different for every individual person
0: absolutely i think there are you know obviously so many different methods of treatment and it really does depend on the individual and i like that you're saying you now have this awareness of other ways to treat and look and look at so that we can consider like all of the options and look at the person and decide what's best.
1: Yes, definitely. I think for me too, I, because I wasn't educated when I was younger about a lot of the treatments out there, I just kind of took whatever my dermatologist would provide for me. And unfortunately that wasn't always the best choice. So now I take that understanding and I try to teach and Let everyone know everything I can about each different treatment so that you can at least have the education behind it. If you
0: could go back to like fifth grade care, is there anything you would have done differently? I hope that's okay to ask.
1: So many things. I was definitely a little mini product junkie from (laughs) a young age. Yeah. And I think that's what happens when you do have acne really young. But I was trying every different product that I could buy from the store. I had no idea what medical grade skincare was. And I was on Pinterest. I was trying all the DIY apple cider vinegar <laughs> face masks. I am
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I was using the St. Ives scrub thinking that if I scrubbed my acne away, it would help. No, no, no. So if I were to go back to little Carolyn, I would definitely educate her on the quality of products. I would tell her to stop trying a new product every single week because I didn't feel like it was helping so I would just try something new. Um, yeah, and I would teach her a little bit more about the how to incorporate these different treatments my dermatologist was putting me on along with my skincare and creating that perfect combination.
0: I feel like this is the perfect segue to talking about types of acne. Care, could you touch on the types of acne and also even if you could mention what type you had and what your personal experience was with the different types of acne?
1: Definitely. So I like to keep things pretty simple and I just like to separate them between non-inflamed and inflamed acne. So non-inflamed acne, these are generally the smaller. They're more pebbly and bumpy in texture, like our whiteheads, our blackheads, our comedones. And our inflamed acne, this is generally our hormonal acne, the more intense, severe acne, which can be warm to the touch. Um, they're basically infections because they're these deeper, inflamed acne starting deep underneath the skin. So they can be pretty painful. They're often reactive. They can be pretty deep. And because they start from a deep source, it's much more likely for them to scar. No fun. And then there's the op- the option of having a combination of both, which is also lovely. <laughs> so my acne was definitely interesting because um, I-, I know some – people and some skin professionals would vary on what they would classify my acne as a grade three or grade four because I actually didn't struggle a lot with just the basic non-inflamed acne. My skin had a pretty general smooth complexion, but I would get these deep, painful, cystic spots and breakouts. So it was almost random. It seemed random that I would get these such deep inflamed acne spots and then have the scars, even though my skin did generally stay pretty smooth. So my type of acne definitely was not as bad as others, but because it was that really inflamed, it was so difficult to treat and manage.
0: Do you have any theories on you know, if there was like possibly a hormonal shift going on at that time or anything else like significant in your life, whether it was like stress or a big shift in in changing schools or anything like that?
1: Oh, yeah. It's so funny to look back because there's so many different things. Obviously, starting fifth grade and sixth grade, there's that puberty aspect, right? Where your body is changing. So your body's naturally producing so much more oil and your hormones are changing and fluctuating so rapidly. And then there's also the huge genetic component, which I think made up probably the biggest aspect of it all. Just having my genetics and with my dad's predisposition to acne, it just plays such a big... Role. So you could be doing everything right and still have hormonal acne if it's in your genetics, which is frustrating. But there's so many other things. Um, Like, for example, one treatment that I was on in high school, my dermatologist had me on antibiotics, and I was on these antibiotics for years at a time. Obviously, I did not have the knowledge I was on now, but being on antibiotics for years can be so, so bad for your body in general. It kills off all the really good bacteria in your gut. And your gut plays such a big role in decreasing inflammation in your skin and in your body in general. So that's one thing. And then another thing I look back on, I moved from California to Idaho for college. And this happened to me. This happened to many of my other friends too, because of this huge change moving to such a dry climate, my skin definitely got worse, freaked out. And of course, I'm trying to overly dry my skin because I thought it was, you know, producing too much oil, but it was actually just overcompensating because it was so dry. Oh my gosh, there's so many things. (laughs) I wish I could just go back.
0: Trust me, so many things. I would go back and change too. That is a whole nother podcast. But I want to touch on some of the things you mentioned, Care, because one, the piece about the antibiotics is actually more commonplace than you might think. It happens pretty frequently with new clients. I find out, and this is why we have to ask so many questions, Oftentimes I find out the client has been on antibiotics for an extended period of time, or they're using some form of topical antibiotic, and for some reason they have lost touch with the dermatologist, or there was never a game plan or a time for them to follow up. So they just stay on these antibiotics for long, long periods of time. And we now understand this can have implications for gut health and overall health, and your acne can even become resistant to it. The other piece you mentioned, Care, is your move. And I think that's so interesting too, because sometimes people notice when they move locations, such as from New York to California or California to Idaho. You know, the climates can change so drastically, and that has an effect on the pH of the skin as well as the skin's microbiome and the environment that it's exposed to. It can depend on how much humidity is in the air. Are you in sun and heat or super cold and dry climate? All of these things can definitely contribute to a shift in the skin. Do you think, care, there is kind of like a right time to
1: pursue medication for your acne? Definitely, I I do have the belief that if you're struggling with this intense acne, it's a real medical condition, you know, and it you deserve to have it treated as such. So, I don't think there's any right time or any wrong time to start on a medication. Um, And I definitely will encourage you or anyone, if you are struggling with heart acne, to see your dermatologist. But like I said before, I think you can go in with a different type of mindset rather than going to see your dermatologist and just accepting what they have to offer right away. I think it's cool to come from it as a place of, okay, let me see what my dermatologist has to offer and just think about it and do your own research for yourself. I think a lot of people are scared to go to a dermatologist because they're going to be put on birth control right away or, you know, be told they have to start Accutane. That's the only option for them. But there's actually so many incredible options besides those treatments. Say you see a dermatologist and you don't feel like they're giving you. treatment you deserve you can see another dermatologist i wish that i had an esthetician like you tessa i could have seen so i think it's a good totally good first step to at least see a dermatologist and if you're struggling with hormonal acne definitely get some blood testing done and then take it from there um i think just a really good general place to start Even if you can't see your dermatologist, just going to your regular practitioner and saying, hey, I'm really struggling with acne um, and I feel like my hormones are involved. Can I get a basic blood test, a basic blood panel? So looking at those really basic blood levels and then taking it from there. And it's all going to be taking it one step at a time. Um, I know a lot of practitioners, unfortunately, that Don't test blood work for acne, and that's just how it is. So I know a lot of people have seen success going for more of a naturopathic or holistic route. Someone like Dr. Aviva Ram, who is an MD, but has – there's just different um, philosophies of blood testing where from a Western standpoint, it's more like let's just test the basics, whereas holistic practitioners, they do have a more – Just do more testing with a wider range of things, and it can get pretty confusing. So I think a good first step is just asking for that very basic general blood testing done and then taking it from there, doing your research, looking into Dr. Aviva Ram. Dr. Jillian Brighton has some really amazing resources too. And yeah, seeking more help if you need to. Okay, that makes perfect sense. I know the hormones can be
0: such a complex story and the blood tests don't always show the whole picture, but that's a really good place to start. I also want to ask you care about birth control. I know you're so passionate about this topic. You share so much good information about birth control what would be some tips you have for somebody who is navigating the world of birth control and possibly
1: struggling with acne? It's true. I could talk about birth control forever. Okay. So let's say you have acne prone skin and you're trying to decide what birth control to go on. Um, First off, there's the types of birth control that are hormonal, and then there's non-hormonal. So it I have heard a lot of people say like, oh, I was promised this specific hormonal birth control would not break me out, which does make me wary and I try to kindly educate because any form of hormonal birth control that can potentially affect our hormones it does have the potential to contribute to acne. I like to think of our hormones kind of like a teeter-totter. It's so fragile. And one, you know, our hormones are constantly fluctuating and changing throughout the month anyways. And then bringing in a hormonal birth control, not like it's a bad thing, but I just like to educate people that, yeah, it can potentially – freak things out a little bit and that can cause acne. So the first thing is to try to determine to go on a hormonal birth control or a non-hormonal. And if you do feel like you have acne-prone skin, it might do you well to go for a non-hormonal form of birth control. Um, So let's say you do decide to go on a hormonal form of birth control. So the first thing to look into are the different types and kind of the most common is being put on the pill. So the two different types of birth control pills, there's going to be a combo pill which contains estrogen and progestin and then there's the mini pill which just contains progestin and the reason why people are put on birth control for acne, um, the reasoning behind it is being put on this combination pill with estrogen can kind of help counterbalance and decrease Testosterone. And testosterone, that's our main hormone that directly affects our oil glands, stimulates them, stimulates our hair follicles to produce more oil, more acne, more breakouts. So, the theory behind going on birth control for acne is to start on this birth control, have this estrogen dominance to overall decrease testosterone, like on the teeter totter. So, you increase estrogen to decrease testosterone. Um, so I would try to choose this one, one that has that estrogen dominance rather than the mini pill, the mini pill, which is the progestin only, this can cause an increase in sebum. And obviously, as we know, it'll block the pores. It'll cause inflammation and acne. And overall, that's usually the pill that causes the most breakout. So if you're going to choose between a pill, try to choose an estrogen-dominant one. Obviously, estrogen-dominant pills, they're not perfect either. You know, we have the mood swings and the migraines and the horrible side effects that come with the pill, unfortunately. But if you do have acne-prone skin, you might be better off choosing the combination estrogen-dominant pill over an androgen-dominant pill like the mini pill. So overall, to summarize it, try to choose a birth control that – is higher in estrogen and lower in androgen potency. And I also have some more information on my Instagram on this. If you go to my hormonal acne highlights, I talk about specific birth controls there. And then in my Acne Colors Academy course, we have a full birth control guide and section on specific birth controls and choosing the right one for you.
0: Care, are there any downsides to the non-hormonal birth control? Like, why wouldn't we all just choose to go on a non-hormonal birth control?
1: Yeah, it's it's difficult. I will never say I'm against hormonal birth control or against going on the pill just because some people purely have to be on it for medical reasons. I have so many friends and close people that uh, have to be on hormonal birth control versus non-hormonal because of PCOS or endometriosis. Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of great options for non-hormonal and hormonal. So it's really, really difficult. And also why I try not to shame people like, you all need to get off the pill, <laughs> you know. It's not like I'm trying to say that at all. Um, yeah. So I wish there were better options for sure. And sometimes you just have to be on hormonal birth control. It definitely does not mean being on hormonal birth control will automatically give you acne and your life is ruined there's still a lot of great techniques and things you can do while on the pill and it's going to be everyone's individual choice for sure
0: what can we do to optimize our skin while we're on hormonal birth control whether it's lifestyle food any tips that you can share there
1: helping when we're on the pill. There are so many different things we can do. Obviously, working with our skin, I'd highly suggest getting on a really good quality skincare routine and working with an amazing esthetician or skin professional. That'll just give you such a better advantage of treating your skin. Being on birth control can potentially deplete some important nutrients like zinc, like omega-3s. So taking a really good quality supplement and supplementing where you might be low. Um, Another thing that happens when you're on birth control, you can potentially have, since you're taking the pill every day and you're ingesting these synthetic hormones every day, it's possible to have a build up of certain hormones like estrogen. So something that can be helpful for this is having a bowel movement every single day. And that's basically how we get rid of all these synthetic hormones in our body. So pooping every day, as funny as it sounds, it helps. It helps get rid of all that synthetic hormones and that buildup that might be bogging down your liver and causing inflammation and less seeing that presentation with acne in our skin. Um, Beyond that, being on the pill can just be a lot for your body sometimes. So getting extra, extra sleep, um, lots of self-care and making sleep a priority and just trying to decrease stress in your life is really vital. I love probiotics. Um, You can also go two different routes. You can take a probiotic supplement. Or you can just start incorpori- incorporating probiotic-rich foods like kombucha, like bone broth, kefir, kimchi. My husband starting has started to eat sauerkraut every day, and I'm so proud of him. <laughs> our microbiome is huge in the role that it plays in our skin. Our microbiome is actually like our second brain. The research on it is really, really interesting, and really nourishing and building up that good bacteria in our body will overall help our skin because it's going to help decrease inflammation. When we see that inflammation, we see that increase of testosterone, cortisol, and those hormones that can potentially cause our breakouts. Um, Beyond that, obviously, taking in a lot of fiber and having that bowel movement every day is so vital. I think an easy way to do that for me, I just try to eat a vegetable with every meal. So with my smoothies in the morning, I always throw in a ton of spinach. I have a vegetable with my lunch and I have a vegetable with my dinner. There's a few other things you can do, like just adding in flaxseed, two tablespoons of flaxseed and drinking so much water. That will just help everything go super smoothly. And obviously avoiding those foods that, you've noticed you have a hard time digesting and you definitely know if there's a food your body doesn't have a great time digesting because I'm sure you've felt it, whether that's you just have a huge stomach ache or you could even have diarrhea after. Those are little hints that your body is giving you that those foods are really hard and can possibly be bogging you down. So just experiment with it a little bit.
0: This is honestly so incredibly true. And take this with a grain of salt if you work in a relaxing spa environment, because the question isn't always appropriate. But for me, I do ask in my consults for my clients to tell me a little bit about their digestion, if they encounter any problems like floating or constipation, because there is such a strong connection between proper digestion and our skin health or acne. And sometimes you find out people haven't gone to the bathroom in days and days, and it can really be one of the more significant internal factors when it comes to acne. So. Possibly you could have it on your intake form or, you know, ask the question more in a corrective skincare setting if you are an SD listening, but I do think digestion is so important. care can you talk to us a little bit about diet and acne
1: and what the connection is there? Yes. Um, diet is really, really interesting to me too, and there are some people that will still say, our diet- has no connection to our skin at all. I do like to be careful when talking about food because it can be pretty sensitive and triggering to some people. And I totally understand that. No one wants to hear that you have to give up your entire lifestyle and give up all of your favorite foods in order to treat your skin. I totally understand that. So I like to just tell people. It's not like when you eat a cheeseburger, that's a direct correlation to your breakout. It's not like a cause and effect. It's more like a a system that happens. So let's say you do have a sensitivity to a certain food or there is a food that is high in dairy, that's high in sugar, it's processed food. Ingesting that in, that can possibly spike some inflammation. And what happens with that inflammation? Well, that can start to correlate and get aligned with our hormones. And we might see that spike of testosterone, more oil production. A great example I like to tell with this is I have a friend who used to work at McDonald's and she would just eat McDonald's every single day, obviously, because she worked there and her skin definitely did suffer. And rather than going with the mindset of having to cut out all these foods that she loved, she took the mindset of, actually, let's just start adding in more antioxidant-rich foods, more probiotic-rich foods, bringing food to work. And she did see a huge difference, which I think is so cool. Um, I also had another friend recently who has been struggling with some hormone medical conditions and she's been really working on her diet and just noticing how eating a certain way not only helps her skin but just all of her hormonal symptoms in general and she went on a vacation with her family and she texted me and she'd been eating you know differently than she had been out with her family on vacation and all of her symptoms that were once gone, came back after eating differently. So I just think that's so interesting. And that's why I do truly believe that our diet can play a role in our skin. Not like it's a direct causation, but foods that we do intake, it affects our inflammation. And our skin being a presentation of our inflammation of our body, I think it's all connected personally. Right? To me, it's
0: like how could there not be an obvious connection between – what we put in our body and our skin as our body's largest detox organ. But for so long there was this resistance in the medical field toward accepting the acne and food connection and now we now know that there is an impact from eating dairy, high saturated fats, processed foods. There is a connection between those things and acne and it's great we're talking about it because the Gen Zers, the younger generations, they have so much more information than I did growing up. We didn't talk about flax seeds or sauerkraut, any of this stuff. It was really just like, oh, you have acne? Go get proactive.
1: Right. And I think just like you said, if we can take it as more of an experiment, it's so much easier for you as a teacher too. like talking about dairy, for example. Just suggesting, okay, how about we, instead of drinking your whole milk, we switch that out for some unsweetened coconut milk for a while. It just takes that pressure off, I think, both the professional and the client you're trying to help.
0: Something you do such a great job educating on care is the shock to the system that can happen when getting off of birth control, especially if you're acne prone or if you've been put on birth control to help with your acne and that condition has never really been treated or addressed, getting off the pill can exacerbate those symptoms and sometimes people can experience more acne getting off of birth control. How can we make this transition as smooth as humanly possible?
1: Definitely. So if you make the decision to stop birth control, I think the best thing you can do is prepare in advance and not just stop birth control on a whim. And the reason why that is, is because when you stop birth control after taking it for a while, you can expect a androgen surge to occur and your body is going to be needing some time to adjust because you're no longer going to be receiving that steady influx of synthetic hormones anymore. So if you can prepare ahead of time, just two to three months, you're at such a better advantage. If you can meet with an esthetician even before you stop the pill and get on a really good skincare routine, start incorporating some really great acne fighting treatments and ingredients, your skin will get used to it. And if you do have any post-birth control acne flare up, your skin will be ready. Um, same thing, if you've been on birth control for years and you've been on it for a very long time, it's also a great idea to have a guide or have a professional there to walk you through it, whether that's finding a holistic practitioner or um, like my Acne Killers Academy resource or Beyond the Pill, the book by Dr. Jolene Brighton or Dr. Aviva Ram's new book resource, anything that can help you with that will be really beneficial because being on the pill for years or long periods of time, um, it has been proven that you can have certain nutrients really depleted. So starting on a probiotic, possibly supplementing with some of those nutrients that are prone to be depleted while on the pill. Um, Making sure you're supporting your liver as best as you can and your liver detox by having a bowel movement every day, really getting your diet in check. And like I said, your body is going to be going through a phase of regulation. So some people have acne, some people have a bit of shock to your system, some people experience hair loss, like I did. It's not the end of the world, so don't worry, but just be prepared to. Make sure your body has lots of love, lots of sleep and self-care, and things will be regulated and get back to normal. It just can take a little bit, (laughs) and it's a little bit scary. But don't – definitely, like my biggest advice, if you are planning to get off the pill, um, I'm sure that's a huge decision, right? And if your gut is telling you, if your intuition is telling you to stop, don't disregard that. I'm personally really glad that I listened to myself um, to stop the pill for my own personal reasons. And don't feel like you have to stop the pill if it's working for you. Just listen to your intuition and have the education and the preparation ready. And that will be the smoothest transition possible.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about endocrine disruptors, maybe what that even is for those of us who who haven't been to nursing school and how that can play a role in acne.
1: Definitely. So endocrine disruptors, they are basically compounds or chemicals that have the potential to interfere with our endocrine system, which is our hormones. Um, There's still a lot of research and different studies that need to be done on this for sure. Like one example in the U.S., there is only 11 banned ingredients in skincare products and different household products, and the European Union has over a 1,000 banned ingredients. <laughs> so the U.S. still has a long way to go, but basically the theory is that ingesting high amounts of these endocrine disruptors that can potentially mess with our own endocrine systems inside of us and contribute to different conditions such as PCOS or endometriosis or even just our acne. And I will say, if you have hormonal acne already, it's so stressful already and you're trying to eat perfectly, you know, and have the perfect skincare routine and a lot of times, I think adding in another stress like endocrine disruptors can be overwhelming. So I do just like to keep it really, really simple. Um, endocrine disruptors, most commonly, they're found in 12 different types of vegetables and fruits. So if you just search 2020 Dirty Dozen, things like strawberries, kale, spinach, if you choose to, um, purchase those type of foods organic, you have a much less chance of ingesting more pesticides. And that can be really helpful. You can also choose to um purchase non-hormone clean meats. Um, and a really big thing that I I've done personally, and I've had my little sister do is just look over all of our beauty products. And like I said, I'm a huge product junkie, but my beauty products that I'm talking about, like my makeup and my bath and body works, body washes, the ones that smell really fruity and amazing. A lot of those are heavily laden with different chemicals and they can build up over time. Um, A lot of people, they say absolutely no plastic water bottles. They'll only do glass Tupperware, no plastic Tupperware. Um, A lot of people will filter every single drink and water they do. So it can get pretty overwhelming. So if you are wanting to look into endocrine disruptors, my biggest advice would just be to evaluate the beauty products you have and try to go for more clean ingredients. Um, EWG has an app that you can put on your phone called Skin Deep, and it's super helpful. You can actually search individual skincare and makeup products, and it'll tell you all the ingredients and all the potential endocrine disruptors in it. So, that can be helpful when you're trying to shop for new products. Um, and yeah, just evaluating what foods you're buying, what foods you buy non organic and organic, and just making those little choices as you can it can be really helpful to limit endocrine disruptors in that way. But like I said, acne can be really stressful, so definitely don't overwhelm yourself. Do not overwhelm yourself
0: as much as Cara and I both love giving really specific information about skincare and acne. Don't overwhelm yourself at the end of the day. I hope that's one thing you take away from this podcast whether we're talking about skincare or diet or hormones, don't overwhelm yourself. Don't stress because that really is what fuels the acne flame. And speaking of stress, Care, I would love to hear your perspective on stress and skin and how stress affects our acne.
1: We can also relate this back to care little care, not really care, but college-age care where I wish I could go back and just change so many things for her. So this is what I like to think of. I'll first explain stress from like a medical standpoint. So our hormone that helps with our stress is called cortisol. It's known as our stress hormone. And one of the mechanisms of cortisol is that it tells our body to release more sugar into the bloodstream, causing high blood sugar, high insulin levels, and it just keeps us going. It keeps up our adrenaline and our energy. So this is perfect if you are in danger and having to run away from a bear in the wilderness or something. (laughs) But unfortunately, there's so many people, especially women, that are running off of high cortisol on a daily basis. And this really builds up inflammation over time and that vicious cycle of inflammation and acne continues. So a really common example, and I'll use my younger self as this example, is my college-age self who, during finals week, let's say. So college-age care in my early 20s, I'm super stressed for my nursing school finals and all I'm doing is studying. I'm definitely not eating enough. And if I am eating, it's just like little quick snacks that I'm getting from the vending machine. I may or may not be drinking lots of soda and coffee to help keep me focused and just able to keep me studying, and I'm studying late into the night, so I'm getting all of that blue light exposure, definitely not sleeping enough, and I might get a night of really not great sleep, wake up in the morning of my test, skip breakfast, just have coffee, and go to take my test. This is, oh my goodness, that is me living off of cortisol and just so much Stress. Also, why so many people that come to me are in college and they're stressed out of their minds. You know, it's no surprise that they are struggling with acne as well. When your body is trying to literally survive and dealing with all of that stress, unfortunately, our skin is, is going to show that because our skin isn't the most important organ there is. It has to help. Our other organs survive as well. Anytime our blood sugars are not stable, it's going to contribute that. And it's actually really crazy. Most women are eating so much less than they should. Many women are eating 1,200 calories a day, which is the same amount a toddler needs to survive. And some people don't even know just because they're go, go, go. But yeah, it's so vital to be eating every two to three hours and keeping our blood sugars stable, as well as eating. I try to eat within 30 minutes upon waking up in the morning because we spend all night sleeping and not eating and we need to replenish our blood sugar stores. And another tip, if you can wait to have your coffee in the morning after you eat breakfast, that's another really helpful tip as well really
0: hope my busy people are listening to what care has to say because this is just all too common, especially amongst young people. For some reason, we put our job and what we're doing above anything else, even our own needs. I don't know if it's because it's like a new environment, it's an intense environment, and we're really just trying to meet our employer's needs or do really well in school. It's super common amongst estheticians to not eat enough throughout the day. I want to be part of changing that and encouraging people to meal prep and bring their meals. I was like pretty notorious when I started my YouTube channel and I started SD school for packing lunches. I would meal prep a lot. I would bring Of a late lunch and a dinner, just so I would have extra food if I got hungry, because you're there for so many hours and school just takes a lot of energy. Same with those who are giving facials and performing services, we can get so focused on giving, 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 and you can do that for a little bit, but. Usually, there's a breaking point, and if it doesn't affect your mental health, it can affect your physical health and your skin, and I can imagine your hormones and your blood sugar, right, Kira?
1: Definitely. I would also tell my younger self to stop studying at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. and sleep. Sleep is when our body is able to heal. It gives our skin the chance to heal. So I would make sleep a priority. I would also look into a supplement like ashwagandha or an adaptogen that can help our body adapt to stress, and I would limit my blue light exposure as much as I could. So if I'm studying late into the night, I would at least try to wear some blue light glasses because that's just another thing that can... Expose our body to more stress.
0: Oh, I know college care and college tests would have been the best of friends because we are so similar. And I really was like the classic college kid I had the classic experience we didn't really have these conversations back then like there weren't podcasts you could listen to about taking care of your skin and body I would stay up late stress out to the max over all of my assignments and then go binge drinking alcohol on the weekend and relying on cafeteria food and the vending machines to give me quick energy to make it through my day What about you, Kara? Was that kind of what your experience
1: was like too? Probably even more important than the type of foods I was eating, I just wasn't eating enough, period. And I did have some major body image issues and some definite disordered eating issues. But if we honestly, in order to help our metabolism, you know, that fear that, if I eat too much, then I'll gain weight. You know, that's really not the case. We should follow our intuitive eating. If we're hungry, listen to our hunger cues. And it I promise it just overall helps. Our body knows what it's supposed to do. But if we're not eating enough and our blood sugars are dropping like that, it kind of, again, sends our body into a state of stress. And it tells our body we need to hold on to as many foods and nutrients as we can. So it actually is a counterproductive thing. It'll hold on to more weight and it will hold on. You know what I'm trying to say? Rather than helping us lose weight or stay skinny or whatever my worry was, it does the opposite.
0: I think we are heading towards a really positive shift in the health and wellness space Because we've recognized so much about what we were taught when it comes to nutrition and exercise was toxic. It was about suffering to some degree or, you know, always looking at calories or working out to burn calories or to lose dress sizes. Not so much about feeling good, nourishing our body, and healing it.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. I remember – in nursing school, we were learning how to take blood sugar. And I was the um, the example for the day. And my teacher took my blood sugar. And it was at that that exact blood sugar where it was like almost near scary. <laughs> so by, everyone was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Like you need to eat a candy bar. But I was like, no, no, no. There's no way I'm eating a candy bar because sugar will make my acne worse, you know. So, yeah, but I am grateful. Again, like I'm always grateful to have gone through those things and to learn from those mindsets because you kind of have to sometimes in order to know how good it actually feels to nourish yourself and nourish your body and your skin.
0: Care, how did you get to this point where you are now where – thousands of young people look up to you. How did you go from being nervous to eat a candy bar, having way too low of blood sugar in class to kind of being this ultimate guide and
1: guru for taking care of yourself? Yeah, it's it's always been not just one change. I think it's been multiple steps over time to get Where I'm at now. Even last year, I remember starting my Instagram account and talking about how hard it was for me to buy a new pair of jeans that fit me or something. So it's been a huge period of growth, but I think just one step at a time. Like I remember in nursing school after that blood sugar episode, it came to a point where it's like, you know what? I'm just going to eat, I'm going to start eating more. Even if I gain weight, I just purely need food to survive. So it just started with that. And then over time, I started noticing a difference in my energy levels and my skin even. And then after that, it's like, yeah, I should probably start going to therapy. (laughs) You know, so just those little steps over time, those little steps in a direction that maybe you feel – you've shied away from will actually help you in the long run so those little tiny steps that are actually really scary they help you move forward well i am really really proud of you care i feel
0: like a proud big sister watching you and i'm sure i'm not the only one who feels this way but you just bring such a light and so much positivity to tiktok even while you're educating, it's, it's like really amazing. And I found you in quarantine, like long before we were talking, I was following your journey. And I think those were weird, uncertain times for all of us. And you just brought so much knowledge and help to the skincare community. So I actually want to ask you, when it comes to having a job where you're on your phone all the time, you're open to anyone's criticism, the negativity that can come with that, how do you balance your own wellness and do you have any tips for, for doing that, for staying sane, keeping positive while being on social media all the time?
1: Yeah, it's something I think I'm still working on. I think probably the biggest advice would be, and the thing that's helped me, is setting boundaries. So in the beginning, I would want to respond to every single person and respond to every single message because I care. I really do care and I want to be able to help everyone. But unfortunately, that would mean I would be spending all day long on my phone. So the biggest thing that has helped me and again i'm still not perfect every morning i don't even look at my phone until i have had my breakfast i've gone on my walk i've done my meditation practice i put myself first with that mindset of when i am ready to go on and help others i've already nourished myself and that puts me at such a better place to respond and to be truly there for others and It's true. Every person I talk to, I feel like they're my best friend because I really do care about them and love them that much. And I've seen such a difference when I do put myself first. And same goes at night. I'm a night owl, so it's harder for me at night to get off my phone. But like I've also told you, I have insomnia. (laughs) So it does make a huge difference if I have those boundaries. Okay, I'm only on my phone working say from 12 to 6 or something like that even though I could if I really wanted to and I would I would spend all day long responding to people and making more videos and trying to help as many people as I can I've just tried to set those boundaries and I think it's helped for sure
0: what about tips for success when it comes to growing social accounts
1: yeah I do um It's a little hard to look at and try to analyze everything. But one thing that I'm really, really grateful that I did when I started my account a year ago, it's almost been one year. My sister was the one that encouraged me to join TikTok. And I remember just being like, no, I don't want to, you know, I don't know how to use it. But just looking at my growth, I think I have... 126,000 followers on TikTok. And I have 26,000 followers on Instagram. And I've had them both the same amount of time. So that just goes to show on TikTok. It's with the algorithm. You are just such at a, I don't know how, I'm sure you can understand too, Tess. The algorithm or something with TikTok, it just lets you pick up on a greater audience faster. Um, Yeah, so I'm really, really grateful that I joined TikTok even though I didn't want to. I'm so, so glad that I did. Um, I think another really big thing that's helped me is establishing my uniqueness for who I am as a creator. So I'm the self-care nurse and my care clerk BSA – Care Clark BSN name that's the same on my Instagram and my TikTok and the self-care nurse is me and just that little phrase "a self-care nurse it sets you apart so if I was an esthetician or anyone that's wanting to grow on social media I would try to figure out what is it that I really want to teach and what can make me special and stand out what's the thing that people will remember me by and Lastly, my biggest tip is, honestly, it's a lot of work. I post a TikTok every single day. I post an Instagram almost every day. You definitely have to be willing to put in the work if you do want to grow as fast as possible. I think I definitely won't keep up that strategy forever because I'd like to have more balance in my life. So I'm not saying you have to post every single day, but if you are the type of person that just wants to get in there and grow and have as, you know, quickest growth and success as possible, I would recommend posting every day, trying to have a strategy behind it. If you can use trending sounds, if you can Analyze the videos that you make and analyze the videos that do well and get more traction and keep making more of those videos. That's also a really helpful tip. Another really big tip about branding as well. I decided on starting Care Clark BSN and I planned for it for at least a couple months. I really thought about what I wanted my name to be, what I wanted to teach, what I wanted my accounts to be like, so I think that was also really helpful. I didn't just start it off a whim. I had some strategy behind it, but I also didn't wait forever for it to be perfect. I think it was the first week I had started TikTok or the first or second week and I had my first viral video and the video was so dumb. It wasn't a good video at all. (laughs) I was just in Walmart. And you know those TikToks tests where it's like follow a dermatology nurse around Walmart? Yeah, I just made one and it took me a couple minutes to make and within a day, it had 4 million views or something. It's like, what is going on? This is crazy. But also just goes to show as long as you're posting every day or posting as much as you can, you will be rewarded for sure right? It's always those videos where
0: you're like, I wish I would have changed out of pajamas. I wish I would have put on just a lick of mascara, but there's something about it when it's so genuine and in the moment and not contrived or forced. Sometimes those videos can do the best and I don't know. I think TikTok just has so much potential. Like Kara, you are clearly the example of how much somebody can grow in a short period of time because the algorithm is not as restrictive. Like you can put up one video, say it does well, out of nowhere you can gain a bunch of followers. Whereas with Instagram, it's definitely tougher. Instagram is a little bit of a grind.
1: Agreed, yeah. And from what I've noticed, TikTok isn't going to be the same as it is now either. So if you're thinking about it, definitely just get in while you can and just start. Because the sooner you start, the better, honestly. Seriously,
0: that is my one regret when it comes to all my social media, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, I spent a lot of time worrying about whether I would be good on these platforms and, to be quite honest, worrying about what a handful of people would say when, who cares? Who cares? They're going to think about it for two seconds and move on. But what I should have done is just jumped on YouTube, made 30, 40 bad videos, and adapted and you know, got better with time because the only way to see if you're really a fit for the platform is to jump in and try it out. And usually the sooner the better. The early adopters get so far ahead because they do jump in and they don't have that hesitation. So if you have any social media aspirations, you've been thinking about it, you've been thinking about starting that account, do it. Nothing is gonna come from waiting, nothing. You're literally just wasting time and followers and there's so much potential on TikTok. It's kind of insane. I get asked sometimes like, how do you think I should grow my you know, Instagram account or my business account? I think a great way is to start a TikTok because it is one of the faster ways to grow. It's not as easy as it was even a couple months ago but TikTok really has so much potential for gaining you exposure versus some of the older social media
1: platforms. It does. And I remember being just really nervous and I look back at my old videos and even my old videos, it's like, oh my gosh, I was so bad. Like the way I spoke, (laughs) the way, you know, the way you present yourself, it's definitely a lot of practice. So Again, if you are thinking about it, the sooner you can start, even if you're a little bit self-conscious or insecure, it's okay. You'll get better at it. You you get used to it, you know, you figure out how to edit better, how to present yourself better, and it just gets easier. TikTok does get
0: easier. It's not 100% second nature to me yet like it is for so many. But we're getting there, and I aspire to be on your level, Care. Please tell us where we can find you on social media if we're not following you already, and give us the deets on Acne Killers Academy. I'm sure there are lots of Estes listening who would love to hear more about the internal side of acne.
1: Yes, yeah, so I have the same name on everything it's Care Clark BSN. On Instagram and TikTok, and my website is just careclarkbsn.com. And Acne Killers Academy, it's my online course for treating hormonal acne. So if you struggle with hormonal acne and you've tried everything and you need some help, this is your course for you. And I think it'd also be good for anyone, even any estheticians that want to understand and help their clients with hormonal acne better as well. It's just kind of a culmination of everything I've learned as a dermatology nurse with every treatment out there and what I've found to be best for treating myself and my own clients. So that will be out soon. I'll be announcing it on my Instagram and my TikTok. Hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, I'm sure it'll be available. So stay tuned. Allow me to
0: just hype up care to the extent she deserves for a second here because she is so humble, as we know. But I have watched Care work so hard on this course for so many, so many months. And if you know Care, you know she is truly a perfectionist. She's so detail-oriented because she really does care about you guys and anybody who would by this course, so it just really shows the detail and the effort and the quality of the information she put inside this course, and it's just a phenomenal resource. I've taken some paramedical courses, but nothing on this level where it's truly so relatable to your client's needs, and any SDs listening, although we're not attempting to diagnose or treat in the way that a nurse would... It's just really helpful, even for background information, to understand all that can go into acne. And it's a lot of the things we talked about today, the blood sugar, the hormones, diet products as well. But I just really applaud Care for all of the care she put into this course. And I just adore you, Care. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. I am going to link care below as well as her Acne Killers Academy resource. Thank you for listening. I love you and I will talk to you in the next
1: episode.